What Sunday is this? Pentecostal Day. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Amen. Um, there were three major feasts, of course, Passover, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So let's stand up. In fact, if you'd be so kind, we got people gone today. It's that weekend. If you'd move up a little bit, it would help us. It would help me. Instead of sitting just kind of way out there, scoot up another row. But let me give you a definition. And then I want to read to you before we get into worship from Acts chapter 2. But the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost, was the second major festival celebrated by Israel. This celebration was in honor of God's gracious providence in the harvest. Everyone say harvest. Those who became Christians on Pentecost were the first fruits of a vast harvest of millions of souls. And we haven't seen anything yet for what's coming. Amen. And so, in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Say fire. And sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I I really believe that the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is an important element of Pentecost. And it's funny how the denominational churches will recognize Pentecost, but not what it really is. It's an infilling. It's an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And we have, like I said, we haven't seen anything yet. Amen. Now, Abe's gone, and Abe will probably be gone a few times this summer. Caleb's getting married, and they got a lot of functions. So we're going to do some things different today by way of, of the screen. Amen. But we're still going to worship, and you still need to enter in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this day. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for Your presence. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for the mighty outpouring that occurred over 2,000 years ago. But I thank You, Lord God, for the mighty outpouring of the Spirit of grace in the days ahead upon the people of God. And so, Lord, we have expectancy in our heart, Lord God, that You are God that moves upon His people. And so, Father, we worship You and we glorify Jesus this day. And everyone shouted, Amen.
everyone say, He is good. And His mercy endures forever. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Father. You know, I'm so glad that we can shout and not pout. We can worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, we're working through bugs. We're working through different things. But God is moving us up another level. And we need to get ready for that. Amen. And we need to avail ourselves to that and be willing and obedient to come up another level. Amen. We've got announcements and we've got an offering. Amen. Good morning. Um, so a few announcements here. So um, Tuesday at 6 o'clock is Patriots United. Just kidding. It's canceled this Tuesday. Disregard that. <laughs> um, Wednesday we'll have our midweek service. It's just going to be a normal teaching service, so come and be a part of that. Next Saturday, our very own Caden and Kaylee are getting married. Um, so if you can attend that, they've got their details um, pinned to the board back there, so go check that out and come celebrate young love. Um, next Sunday, June 4th, <laughs> um, we've got ladies' night, and we need people to come to that. I'll tell you what, you guys. As women, I feel like we give so much of ourselves all the time. We're constantly, you know, giving to our husbands. We're giving to our families. We're cooking. We're, we just give. Not that husbands don't. Husbands give too. But we're constantly giving. And it's so important to get your cup filled. It's refill that cup. And ladies' night is a great opportunity to do that. I mean, it's a great opportunity to get to know each other and build those relationships because, when you surround yourself with like-minded people and you build those relationships, there's really nothing like it. It's, it's done wonders for me in my own life. Um, and also, if nothing else, come get some free food. Caleb's going to be grilling some burgers and some brats, so it's going to be great. And also, if you're worried, oh, boring church event, I'll tell you, this isn't your mama's game night, okay? Last ladies' night was a blast, and I saw some of these ladies do some things, I'll tell you. Pastor Kathy did a headstand, <laughs> so come be part of that. It's going to be really fun. And last but not least, the best day of the entire year is coming up, Jesus Day on August 26th. Um, so we've got these postcards printed out, and we've got a stack of them back there. We would like the adults to um, start passing these out to kids in the area, kids that you know, kids that you see. Don't be a creeper, but invite them. Um, there's a QR code here that the kids can, or the parents can scan to register their kids. And if they pre-register by July 15th, they get entered into a drawing for a hoverboard. So that's really nice. Um, and then also along with that, it's a big event and it takes volunteers. So we also have a sign-up sheet um, out in the foyer. And that is for volunteers, not for, you're not signing kids up, that's volunteers to work. Um, and we also need your t-shirt size for that. So if you want to be part of the best day of the year and you, you really want to be part of blessing these kids and being blessed yourselves, make sure you get signed up for that. And also next Sunday's Donut Day, so come for that.
round two. I had to. Come on, it was funny. All right, uh, go with me to Psalm 126. As you're turning there, how many people have experienced a rough past couple of years financially, physically, mentally, emotionally? Anybody? A couple people. All right, I'm going to read this. Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. All right, this brings me to a set of scriptures that I've been standing on pretty, pretty firmly. Uh, well, we'll go to verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continu- continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. <sighs> this one hits close to home because, as you all know, I've had a career change. And, well, let me start off with this. Last week I said that where your treasure is, your heart will be also, okay? So, it's kind of hard to say that you, or that I love you without putting forth your treasure towards those things that you love, such as, like I told my wife, I love her, but if I'm not dedicating my treasure towards her, and it's not just finances, it's everything, time, emotions, everything. If I'm not dedicating my treasure towards my wife, when I say I love you, then I'm lying to her. Same thing with things of God. If you say you love God, but you're not giving him your best, are, are you actually loving God? See, the love of God, you have to actually, there, it, it's, it's more of a, it's an act. You, you have to act on that love because it's not just something that you say. Otherwise, it's empty words. But, Here's the good part. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. We also, uh, Pastor Brad said this, I believe I said it last week, the tithe is not yours to give. That is already God's. God's, Everything is already God's, but when you uh, bring back your tithe, that establishes, hey, you, you did good with the little bit. Now I'm giving you this much. You still need to be a good steward of that. So... If you sow in tears, what's that, what's that sound like? It sounds like hard time, right? That it's, tears isn't, like, to literally give out of tears. I, I, I made mention of it last week with the, with the woman with the, with the two mites. She gave out of her poverty. The other men, or the other people, were giving out of their abundance. They weren't giving until it hurt. That woman gave until it hurts. I guarantee you there was some tears that were shed, over that giving, because literally, Jesus said, that's her livelihood. The others weren't giving out of their livelihood. They were just, hey, you know, our our stuff's all met. Our needs are all met. But this woman, she understood something that the others didn't. She understood that I have a need, but I also have a seed. If you have a need, you sow that seed, and you know what happens? Eventually, you'll reap. So, but that's not the tithe. The tithe 
rebukes the devourer, opens up the windows of heaven above you. But the offering, I believe I told this to Pastor Kathy, the offering opens up the windows of your heart. See, when you give, God says it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But but this is what he says. He says, shall who? God give unto your bosom? Men. God works. See, see God don't have, have, have all the money in the world up in heaven. He put everything that we need down here. So when you sow, what happens? You have to sow into the soil here. And I made this comment last week. Harvest Church is good soil. Right? You don't know where to give? Give there. They, 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 Harvest Church sows seed too. Now the thing about it is, is the seed that is sowed from here, you're also accredited for. Right? And not only that, um, trying to think of the scripture where, where he says that you, you sow, then angels will go behind and multiply your seed. Your seed is multiplied, so, so not only that, you're credited to the multiplied seed, not to the seed that you just sow. Which, I don't know about you, but things have been kind of rough here and there, so I'd like to harvest some of that multiplied seed, not just the seed that's, you know, but it's not just finances, it's with everything. You know, if you actually look at what an offering is, where did the offering start? Old Testament, Genesis, chapter 3, where, where God made the tunics for Adam and Eve. He sacrificed an animal. That's an offering. An offering is not out of the abundance. An offering is out of the, out of the sacrifice that it takes. It hurts. Right? So what we need to make sure that we're doing when it comes to the offering is, first of all, if you don't have your treasure to sow, then your treasure has you. Your treasure at that point in time becomes an idol. Right? If you love something so much that you're not willing to part with it, that's an idol. I don't own anything that I'm not willing to give up. You know, I, I was thinking about this uh, uh, over the course of the week because I, lo- I, love, I love trucks. I do. Oh, boy. Oh, oh I do. I, got, I had an opportunity to work on some nice ones this week. And the desire in my heart to step back into the semi has never been stronger. Especially with, I don't make as much as I was before. Oh, Bill's piling up. Well, Bill's piling up. What's that? What did I just say? I have a need. What's that need? Well, obviously need some financial whatever. But you know what? I still have stuff to give. I have finances to give. If I don't have, okay, if you don't have enough money to pay something, it's not going to change. You still have money to give. God meets your needs. We give to the kingdom. We aren't supposed to work for a paycheck. We work to sow. If we expect that what we work for pays our bills, then you're, you're looking to the wrong source. You know, there's always seed to sow, always. But when you hold on to it so tightly that, that oh, well, this bill's piling up. What, you know what, I've, in the last few months especially, I've given to the point where I don't have money to go get lunch, but I haven't missed a meal, obviously. Isn't it interesting how that works? Yeah, it depends, depends on the day. But... You know, that, that's, where, that's where the fact that where men gives unto your bosom. Now, there is something that, that God just put on my heart. Mark chapter 4. They're all out in the boat. And uh, things look a little 
little bleak. Water starts coming in into the boat, and uh, it's filling up. Jesus is asleep. You know, obviously, he first of all, he's a man. Yes, he was the embodiment of God here on earth, but at the same time, he was all man too. The guy got tired. The guy needed to rest. This is one of the one of the only places that I can recall where you actually see Jesus Christ sleeping. Though interesting, but as water's filling up into the boat, these men got nervous. Now, these weren't just ordinary guys out on a boat. I know some people get out on a boat. If the wind blows more than a mile an hour, they're freaking out because they can see little white caps on the water. Oh, we're going to sink. No, these guys were always on the water. These were fishermen. They knew that this storm wasn't a normal storm and that they were probably going to lose their lives. They've seen this before. Or they haven't seen this before, I should say, because, holy cow, we're going to be sinking. We're, we're, we're going to perish. Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? So what did Jesus do? He stood up and he rebuked the storm. Now what happens there is there is deliverance because they sacrificed all. Peter said that we have sacrificed all and we are following you. And Jesus, what was his response? He said something similar to, now of course this is the Nate Revised Edition. Um, he said that you ha- there's nothing that you haven't give that will not be multiplied back to you. Right? So these guys sacrificed their all to be with Jesus. They were on a sinking ship, and it looked pretty grim. Right? Things can look pretty grim, especially right now. We don't know, like with the economy and everything. But I know God told me not that long ago that he doesn't care what the government does with our economy. He has hidden wealth here for us that is prepared for us for such a time as this. Right? Because God asked me, he asked me the other day, uh, well, it's been a couple months ago, but anyway, he asked me the other day how long, or he's, okay, how, how he worded it was, the, the inside that rock that Moses spoke to, or he smacked, when did that, did he just put that there, right then and there? Was that a miracle that he established right then and there? No, that was established from when he spoke, you know, and things were, from Genesis chapter 1. That was there the entire time. How many rocks do you think they passed before they asked God, hey, we're thirsty. Something to think about. Anyway, but so as this boat's filling up, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus Christ stood up, rebuked the sin. Uh, he rebuked the, the wind and the waves and said, peace be still. And then, the, the part that, that he, ju- he, he just, just pointed this out to me was... These guys were scared before, but now, he said, they feared exceedingly. They were, uh, I believe the NIV says, they were terrified. We are stepping into a season where the deliverance is here. We are stepping into a harvest, not just of money, but a harvest of the seed sown. If you have been experiencing what I've been experiencing lately in terms of everything coming against us, it seems like the pressures of life are just so weighty that I'm almost ready to start sweating big drops of blood, but not quite there yet. If you have been faithful in sowing in the good soil, not on the wayside or among the tares, but in good soil, you will reap a harvest. The harvest is here. 
we are stepping into it. So if you have been faithful in terms of sowing your seed that God has made you a steward of, you can expect to reap. Okay? So, all right. That's what I have for today. How many of you (laughs) would agree that financially there's been a little bit of a struggle? Let me see your hands. Okay, a lot of hands. So, I'll let you, let's pray. Speak the word over the people. Amen. Thank you, Father, that your word is true. That we don't have to get into fear and that we will not yes. be exceedingly fearful when deliverance here is here. We will trust you. And we will continue to sow in good soil. But, Father, we thank you for the harvest that is here. We thank you that you have met all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, including in the area of our finances. And that we have a full supply. Yes. And it is all according to your word and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think. Amen. According to the power that works within us. Amen. You may be seated. Ushers, if you go ahead and kindly wait on the people. Amen. What subject are we on, people? The anointing, specifically the anointing oil. So, Father, I thank you for your precious word. Your word is full of life and it's health and it's medicine to all of our flesh. And so we avail ourselves and yield ourselves to be taught by you, Holy Spirit, this day. May every heart be softened opened and receptive to receive the living Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. We said our purpose in this series was to gain understanding of the anointing. The anointing is specifically a person. Say the anointing is a person. And He's power. Amen. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at the purpose of the anointing. And uh, God's given... His people, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so they may be taught, led, and empowered to set the captives free. There's a purpose for the anointing of God. Amen. We said in order for the anointing to flow freely in a believer's life, the individual, that's you and I, the believer, must yield or submit to the Holy Spirit in the development of gifts... But more importantly, fruits. 
See, fruits mean, means character. See, you can flow with the Holy Spirit powerfully with demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. But if you haven't developed the fruit and the character, it won't last. And we've seen ministries, we've seen ministers fall because of a lack of fruit, a lack of godly character. But in these last days, we're going to see people, the believers, the body of Christ flowing with God, the Spirit of God flowing through them because they've taken time to develop character. And, you know, we want things overnight. But if you're going to hook up with God, it's not going to necessarily happen overnight. Everything you do in life, whether you have a business, you have a relationship, a family, it takes time. And if you're willing to do that, It'll pay off in the long run. Amen. Now, there's two functions of the Holy Spirit, and that's the indwelling. Amen. And then there, there's the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We said there's a threefold nature of the anointing. The Father is the anointer. See, go, this is a wonderful thing to have. How many of you even avail your, yield to that or avail yourself to this? The Father is the anointer, and you can look it up on your own, Acts 10.38. The Son is the anointed, and the Holy Spirit is the anointing. And you've got the anointing of God that abides within you. The Christians are the body of Christ, therefore they are the anointed ones. The holy anointing oil was a mixture of spices used to represent the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it consisted of four costly spices added to the olive oil. Each spice represents a characteristic of the Spirit that must be developed in our heart. And that's what we're, we're, we're talking about. And I'd like to get through this today and, and, and finish this portion. But I want you to look at Exodus chapter 30. For this was the main scripture. You can use these you know, reviews and, and on your own during the week and look up the Scriptures. But this is where the Lord gave Moses specifically a recipe for the, for the holy anointing oil. In Exodus 30 and verse 22, it says, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil. The anointing is holy. He's the Holy Spirit. Amen. An ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the labor and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. 
So there's, there's, we're looking at these specific spices. The first one we said was myrrh. We gave time last week we talked about that. Myrrh is a resin or a gum that oozed from a myrrh tree. It had a bitter taste, but produced a costly fragrance. The word myrrh literally means bitter. Now listen. And symbolizes a heart that is submitted to the Lord and a life that exemplifies true discipleship. Myrrh was one of the three gifts that the wise man brought to Jesus after his birth. Each gift, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, represent the three offices Jesus walked in, prophet, priest, and king. Myrrh refers to the office of prophet and therefore is mostly bitter. Hebrews 5.8 states, Jesus learned obedience by the things which He suffered. In order for the anointing to be developed in you and I and flow out of us. Now, this, this isn't the exciting part, but it's necessary. You and I will have to deal with some bitter situations that can bring discomfort and can bring some sorrow. A true disciple will follow Christ's example of servanthood. All right? Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, if I don't go off on rabbit trails, we're going to get this done. Philippians chapter 2. Did Christ suffer? Did he deal with some bitter situations? Yes, he did. Let this mind be in you, which was also, verse 5, in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. See, when you go through some bitter situations, folks, it has a way of humbling you. <laughs> and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, when you look at, look at the Apostle Peter, he was always right there with Jesus, right-hand man. But uh, he was in, in Gethsemane, which we said is the, 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 means oil press with Jesus. Remember Jesus when he prayed in the garden? Suffered. But those disciples suffered with him. And we said that what will happen, you know, when you're in the oil press. I had a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I had a regular press I showed you. It tends to reveal what's in your heart. Because, you know, sometimes we don't even realize what's in our heart. He does. We don't. And so you will be put into situations in your life that will help you discover the condition of your heart. I remember going to Ramah. I think back, I think about you down to Ramah. You're young and 
You know, what'd you tell me on the phone the other day? We were talking about how the the first year. What was it you said? Put a fire in you, but what? <laughs> he needed to temper it. Well, let me tell you, Jack, you're getting married, and you're going to be tempered some more. She reminded me, and some of you young, do you remember the first year of marriage is always the most difficult? I thought it was the last 40. No, I'm just kidding. Loosen up, Lucille. Lighten up. But the, the oil press has a way of helping you discover what's in your heart. We said pride must be conquered in order to humbly serve others. We said there will be no spotlight or little recognition for those who serve behind the scenes for their Lord and Savior. And you remember going back to Peter. You know, Peter had this statement with Jesus. Remember when at the end, when Jesus had had appeared on the beach and and had a little talk with the disciples after he was resurrected. And Peter just had a way of saying, well, what about him? Meaning John, the apostle of love, by the way. Peter was concerned about him, and when God, God was dealing specifically with Peter, get your act together, Peter. Are you going to follow me? Three times. How many times did he deny him? Peter had to discover there were some things in his heart, in his life. I'm going to share something. I'm just, if I don't get through it all, that's whatever. We'll finish next week. We'll go on. Years ago, when I was a young minister, we were part of an organization called Upper Midwest Believers. Was that the name of it? Some, how many of you remember that? Remember that? There were four or five ministers who worked closely together. And we were young, you talk about being excited, and we wanted to see God move, and big-name speakers were coming up here. We had Charles Cap and Jerry Savelle and Ed Dufresne, and I was trying to think, who else? Buddy Harrison, yeah, he, he was phenomenal to see him flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and God began to, to um, move in this area, and I remember I was young and we were all ministers and, and I can remember somebody coming to us and saying, you know, what you have here is pretty special with you ministers. And we were, you know, we, there was a unity and there was a bond. But then at the same time they warned us and said, you better guard that or you're going to lose it. We lost it. And it's sad that we lost it. But what was happening, we, you know, we're all basically vying for position as young ministers. Because the Word of Faith movement, it was always, there was always somebody up on the stage, a big name minister. And so you have aspirations. You're going to have a big ministry. You're going to have a church of a thousand. And here, we're here from in Norfolk, Nebraska. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, yes. And I can remember I had somebody come here and you're going to have a church of 600 and on and on and on and on. 
And so your eyes get big. And pretty soon you start thinking, well, yeah, I guess, you know, they were looking for someone to head up the organization and they were going to have a meeting and, and uh, I'll never forget, I, I thought in my heart, you know, really, I, I could do it. And, and I, w- I was thinking, you know, I could, I could lead, I could do that. And got down to the meeting and I wasn't named the leader of the organization. Somebody else was. And I remember sitting there, totally deflated. Totally humbled. And it was a tough... You talk about the oil press. I began to discover there were some things in my heart that, that was not necessarily God. It was Mike. And meanwhile, somebody else took the organization and that was fine. And, and the sad thing is it all fell apart. And basically what I'm saying is I had to go through the oil press to discover that maybe there was some pride in my heart. And that oil press, God dealing with me in that situation, used that situation to show and reveal to me, you've got some areas to work on. I was probably about 30, 31 years old. It was a humbling thing. But at the same time, I continued to serve. Had to serve under the gentleman that was the other pastor that was the leader, and and it wasn't an easy situation. Because I saw things. See, we all see things. You know, your flesh will help you see things. (laughs) But I learned something. And that's what I'm talking about where I'm at today. All of us in this next move of God have something to contribute. And it's your responsibility as a believer to discover what your gifts are and then flow in your gifts. And going through almost 35, 7, 8 years of ministry... I've learned so much about serving. It's not about title. It's not about if you're number one. It's all about Him. Jesus had to look at Peter and John. And all those disciples, because all they did was, you remember, they all were vying for position. Wanted to be his right-hand man. <laughs> Little did they know what they were, ask, what they were asking for. Where, when, when we get to the end of the kingdom, where, where can I sit? I want to sit right by you, Jesus. Because you know, I really did a lot more than John. Jesus just had to smile to himself and shake his head. I think you guys don't have a clue. But you know what? They found out the truth. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. 
You're here to serve. Bottom line, I'm here to serve. And to serve is, is one thing, but to serve with the right heart's attitude is another. What's the motivation for you serving? A position? Accolades? A title? That should be it, shouldn't it? So what we're in, the body of Christ right now is in the oil press, folks. And you're going to discover one way or another what's in your heart. What's the motivating factors that, want, that cause you to serve? To be seen? To be acknowledged? Or just to serve because you love Him? Some of us, it, it takes longer than others. But that's alright as long as you get it. That's the key. Get it. See, in the days ahead, and I, could, I can see it so clearly, this is where I'm going. While others are going this way. But that's the plan of God. What do you mean, going this way? He must increase, but I must decrease. Remember John the Baptist, the revelation that he had? You've got to have a revelation of that fact, that he must increase, but you must decrease. If we're going to reach a harvest, pride must be conquered in order to humbly serve others. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This implies total commitment to serving Him with all of our heart. The anointing of the Spirit will only flow through those who have laid down their lives for Him. The anointing of the Spirit will only flow through those who have laid down their lives for Him. You've been to Raymond now for two years. You want to go another one? Did you notice some people vying for position when you were down there, wanting a title, wanting a big ministry? And I warned you, you got it, don't you? That's not the way to the throne. No. See, the way to exaltation is down. <laughs> Get that concept. Get that truth. The way to recognition and exaltation is down. That's where it's at, folks, right now. Just a servant. If you can stay at Raymond and gain that understanding and that truth, and then whenever you decide to leave, hopefully in ten years or so, maybe, you're going to have to leave eventually. But wherever you go, 
You better not just think about, well, I've got to have this much salary because, you know, I'm going to be a youth minister or a children's minister. Or I'm going to be an associate, and I better have a retirement plan. If, if that's your attitude, go back to the secular world. Because wherever you go, the two of you go, you better go with a heart to serve someone. Be kingdom-minded. The anointing of the Spirit will only flow through those who have laid down their lives for Him. <laughs> I'm reviewing the one I did last week, and we haven't even moved on to the second spice. I'll do it quickly. We're going to cover cinnamon. Cinnamon comes from the bark of a tree, and the root meaning of the word cinnamon represents integrity and walking in truth. Say integrity and walking in truth. 1 John 2, 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. How did Jesus walk? In, in integrity and truth. The flower of the cinnamon tree smells, of, smells offensive, but the bark is sweet. This represents God's people who are living among a corrupt and perverted stinky society. Amen? With a challenge to divinely influence that society with Christ-like character. Look at Philippians 2. Are you still there? Oh, you lucked out. Verse 14. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. We're talking about cinnamon and you know, how many like to smell a cinnamon? Oh, I love cinnamon. Even though the world may stink, <laughs> does it stink right now? Does the government stink? I know maybe that's not the right word, but it's got some issues. You and I can still maintain sweetness and purity. How do we do this? In verse 14, do all things without complaining. I could stop right there. I know nobody here complains. Nobody here ever complains. Do all, it doesn't say do some things. It says do all things without complaining. In the margin of my Bible, it has the word for complaining. It has grumbling. Do all things without complaining or grumbling and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a stinky, crooked, and perverse generation among whom you what? Shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Even though the world stinks, you and I can maintain purity and sweetness. According to Isaiah 61, and I'm not, you can turn there, and I've quoted it before, the anointing of God... Now listen, this is, this is really important, because I'm going to be ending with this. According to Isaiah, Isaiah 61, the anointing of God... 
flows to the brokenhearted, the captive, the bruised, the mourning, the outcast. That's Isaiah 61. The anointing will rise to the occasion when the need is greatest. The anointing of God will rise to the occasion when the need is greatest. If you and I are not around hurting and needy people, the anointing remains untapped. We're talking about in the anointing and about cinnamon, and we're, we're supposed to walk in integrity and truth, even though the surroundings and our circumstance, you go to work, you go to school, wherever you go, you're going to deal with things that are offensive, things that, you know, repel you. The anointing will rise to the occasion when the need is the greatest. If you and I are not around hurting and needy people, the anointing remains untapped. Our decision to walk in integrity and truth like Jesus will allow the anointing to flow to a lost and dying world. You want the anointing to flow in your life? Get around sick people. You want the anointing... To flow in your life, get around someone that's hurting. There are plenty of people out there in society that are rejected by the world. And I, I take, uh, this is a good pride, but I take pride that in this church we accept people from all walks of life. All kinds of personalities, all kinds of backgrounds. We're not an exclusive group. We're an inclusive group. And so don't ever think, you know, you're too good for anybody. <laughs> I don't function around with people that think that way. That repels me more than anything. You think yours doesn't stink? What's he talking about? Steve gets it. I can always look at Steve and he'll smile because he's connecting with the preacher today. You, see, you get what I'm saying? That's crude. Yeah, it is. But it's the truth. So don't ever think, whatever you do here in church, if you see somebody hurting coming through the door, you see somebody that needs help, you can tell by your spirit they need money. You can be sensitive. Walk in integrity and the truth. And if you're walking in integrity and you're walking in truth, you're going to pick up on it. You're going to know in your knower. Let's stand up this morning. Well, we got through one more. <laughs> we just got a couple more. The thing is that olive oil is what connected, brought the spices together. And we'll talk about that. Did you hear anything today that... that um, registered in your heart? When you come to Harvest Church, what are you coming to do? Thank you. She beat you. She got the hundred dollars. I'll give you fifty. Second place. You're coming to serve. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that Jesus Christ is our our ultimate example of servanthood. So Lord, I know 
there's areas in my life that are still, you're working on me. And there's areas in the hearts of everyone in this room, you're working on them too. But Lord, I purpose to humble myself. And I pray that that's the heart's attitude of everyone here. That they'll have a desire to humble themselves and be taught by You, Holy Spirit. To be led by You, Holy Spirit. To be enlightened by You, Holy Spirit. Show us the things that we need to know so we can make the changes and adjustments in our heart, our life, and our character. Because we want the anointing to flow to a lost and dying world. So Spirit of Grace, continue to speak to our hearts even in the days ahead in this new week. And let us maintain a humble heart. And if there be any pride, oh Father, forgive me. I don't want pride to rule and reign in my heart. I want humility. I want the desire, my desires for the anointing of God to flow through me to a hurting world. So help us, Holy Spirit, and teach us what we do not see. In Jesus' name, amen.